What's up, everybody? We're back. Another episode of the Warren 94 podcast is here. It's Frank. I'm here with Trombone Shorty himself. Evan. Excuse you. I am taller than you, sir. <laughs> How are we feeling, Trombone? <laughs> Please don't make this nickname stick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm doing, I'm doing great. We're sitting here on a snowy Tuesday night in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as, um, we prepare for yet another week of Packers football late into January. Um, so yeah, I, not many complaints here. What about yourself? Doing well. Um, glad I don't have to talk about the bears this week. Um, <laughs> got that out of my system. We're, we're good for at least, a, at least a couple months until, until something happens. Hopefully something positive, but I'm not holding my breath or else I'd be dead already. Uh, <laughs> but overall doing well, ready to get another episode going. And uh, let's not waste any time. Let's start with the best thing we saw all week. You want to start us off, Evan? Yeah, I will start ahead with the Packers and Rams game we saw last week. Um, we talked about it a lot in the podcast. Uh, in that game, there was a, a goal-to-go situation I think the Packers already scored once on a, which we'll get to later. Um, but Rogers was rolling out right, uh, looking to, I think, find Robert Tunney in the end zone and ended up taking it in himself to score from like the two yard line. He ran out there. But while he did that, he pump faked Leonard Floyd um, into the next dimension. And it has been memed religiously this week. I mean, I've seen everything from like Dragon Ball Z type edits where he like, like force jukes him out into the, the like floating above Lambeau field. And then as he chucks the touchdown to celebrate it, like it like is shot in the light beam up and destroys him type thing. I've seen the classic, like uh, dancing cat. I don't know what the song is, but you know what I'm talking about. Whereas he goes floating into all these different videos and dimensions. Um, I mean, he just, he juked him out of his shoes and socks and the entirety of his uniform. And it was incredible to watch. And the memes that have come since then have been fantastic. They have definitely sat. I've, I've woken up every day to a new version of it. And I laugh equally as hard because they're fantastic. So that's the best thing I saw this week. Yeah. Leonard Floyd thought he could get away from Aaron Rodgers a little bit, at least, at least from being embarrassed by Aaron Rodgers when he left the bears, but it nope. never stops. It always comes when, back. <laughs> it was a, it was a beautiful play and Aaron Rodgers just toyed with him. It was like a cat on a, you know, with a little, with a little toy on a string, <laughs> yanked it away. And, and uh, Leonard Floyd bit it all, you know, went for it all the way. Well, my best thing I saw all week, I mean, folks, Bill's Mafia is at it again. We've talked about this before, and they've done it again. Bill's fans have, you know, answered the call. Not even there was a call made, but they have come out in droves and donated over $360,000 to Lamar Jackson's charity after his injury uh, in their game on Saturday night. So Lamar Jackson suffered a, an, I think it was a head injury, if I'm not mistaken, on Saturday after a hit, um, he was out the rest of the game. The Bills did go on to win that game, 17-3. Uh, to three. Uh, And Bills Mafia, as a sign of respect to him, have gone out and donated, as I said, more than $360,000 to the Blessings in a Backpack charity in honor of Lamar Jackson. 
Um, several Bills fans, you know, they said they should pay it forward by honoring a charity that he has supported. So all over Twitter, people were Bills fans were calling for uh, their fellow fans to donate anything. They were really, I mean, the number that I saw a lot was eight dollars in honor of Lamar Jackson's number, of course. So eight dollars toward his charity, and that I mean, it added up very quickly. And to see them just continue to do this kind of thing is is amazing. I mean, they're the best fans in football. I got to say, as, as you know, unbiased, totally. I mean, they are the best fans in football. They support their team like no other. And to see them do this and also be still rolling through the playoffs is just it's just great. So I, I you know, all the all the praise goes to the Bills Mafia, and you, I just love to see this kind of thing yeah. from them. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. They're best fans. They do it even if they lost. They they don't give a mm-hmm. crap. Um, and it came from as you said. I think the first tweet was like, "Hate to see them go out in a game like this. Like we know you'll be back next year, Lamar. Here's something to make you feel better. Kind of not to make you feel better, but like some way we can help show our gratitude and appreciation for who you are. And I think what's even cooler thing is about that charity is not even you know anything new that Lamar's had since Baltimore or anything. Like it goes back to his college days in Louisville. Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for, it's for, I believe meals and food for underprivileged kids. You may, did you explain this already? Yeah. It's uh so the blessings in a backpack works to provide meals to kids who are often uh, reliant on meals from school. So they give, yeah, them, okay. uh, they give them food on the weekends and yeah, I mean, throughout the school year, every week, 38 weeks. So, I mean, just amazing. So all the props in the world go to Bill's mafia and, I hope that more fan bases take this sort of thing and run with it. We, we talked about Detroit earlier this season honoring the firing of their GM and head coach by <laughs> donating to John Watson's charity. I hope that other teams see this kind of, you know, giving and decide to do it themselves. It's it's a really cool thing, and it's a good way to, you know, m- build that kind of bridge between these teams and these, you know, playoff atmospheres and high – you know, highly competitive games, but just, you know, it shows that at the end of the day, everyone's human and, you know, we can all give back a little bit. Spread some positivity. Exactly. So you mentioned it a little bit before. Let's talk some Packers as they continue to do the the exact same thing they've done all year and just roll on and take care of the Rams on, on Saturday uh, final score thirty-two to eighteen. Uh, I didn't see much wrong in that game from the Packers. No. I, I think I messaged you saying that every play looked like a positive. I mean, I mean, I feel like since I've watched the Packers this season, outside of that one game uh, against the team that they will be playing this coming weekend, it's been pretty much no negative plays by the Packers for the most part. I mean. Break it down for me, Evan. Yeah, I, as you said, it, there's not much to criticize from this game. Um, and I think this is kind of what the front office was – not even kind of. This is exactly what the front office was looking towards when they made the Matt LaFleur hire. And you pair the you know classic vintage Aaron Rodgers with the efficiency and the scouting and the analysis of, of Matt LaFleur – who is the mold of McVay, which is the kind of general gener- direction you seem to see these NFL teams going these days is like that more modern analytic based approach. Analytics has always been a part, but d- getting more to that, living with that kind of breeding that into the game. 
Um, and and I think I think the best way to do that is to look at the three of the all three of Rogers' touchdowns um, in this game. One of them was a, a, a the first one I believe was a as we said there was two inside the goal to go situations and even inside the five, and the it was just a quick out out route to uh, uh, Devonte, but just a lot of window dressing to start it off. So they had Devonte on the right side of the formation. They brought him all the way across the left side. Um, Ramsey followed him immediately, illuminating that it was man coverage, which a lot of teams do. Um, so what they did is they just brought him right back. And then, and in that motion, he, it was like a, they snapped the ball. And so, so Devontae already had a head start and was about five yards separated from Ramsey without ever even having to do any work. Um, and Ramsey immediately threw a fit because he couldn't get around <laughs> his linebacker or whatever. I don't know what the, what the problem was. He, yeah. just, he was beat, uh, classic Ramsey, but I, he, he looked like the kid, he looked like the kid on the field whose dad is the coach. Oh, absolutely. And he didn't get his way. Jumping and so he's hop, he, was hop, he was literally hopping mad, like yeah. hopping, <laughs> stamping his feet, like throwing a tantrum out there. Yeah, just he got, I mean, he got beat by the best receiver in the NFL. I mean, you know. Well, and not only did he get beat, like I said, because he got beat plenty of other times, and you can go back and look at the game, the game film. I mean, Devontae put him on skates on more than one occasion. Um, but he that was just the the problem was he got mad at his other defenders, but it really just was an ingenious play call. I mean, it was it was easy peasy lemon squeezy because what they had done is they had just made Jalen's defense work against him. They didn't even nobody had moved besides Jalen. He was the only one making following motion and running back across the formation. And he had to get around his linebacker who was sitting exactly where he should be in a in a goal line package. And and he got pissed about it because it, it resulted in a touchdown. So like I said, that's you know vintage Rogers making easy throws and in and scoring and converting an easy. And then it was the, also the, 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 the smartest of that play, like you use, you know, you've seen that in the NFL for years as you, you motion a guy to see there, whether it's zone or man, you know, if somebody's following it's his own look, if somebody's, or if it's a man look and somebody's staying and not following or a linebacker ends up wide on somebody like there's, there's different ways to key in on what coverage you're going to see pre-snap and, Rodgers is a smart, smart quarterback can assess all that and has has been doing that for years. But this wasn't even to try and guess what the coverage was. This was just to decoy guessing the coverage into getting Ramsey out of position and easy peasy lemon squeezy seven nothing. There you go or seven three. I think that maybe the first. Yeah, time and, we, and we saw before the game there was a little bit of like a, I wouldn't say an altercation between between Adams and Ramsey. They were just kind of chatting on the sideline and yeah. it was revealed after the game. it was revealed after the game. Uh, Devante said, you know, I didn't mean any, I didn't mean any disrespect going up to him. I just said, listen, I'm not one of the dudes you've covered before. Now follow me around and let's give the people what they want to see. Yeah. Exactly. So he was, kind of, he was kind of friendly challenging. I mean, Jalen Ramsey is, we've talked about it, one of the best corner cornerbacks in the NFL. Devonte Adams is maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL. And, Obviously, people want to see those two one on one in coverage. You know, you want to see that kind of matchup. And Devonte just, you know, he had to let him know. He said, "Hey, follow me around. Let's show. Let's let them see what they want to see." And we saw what happened. Yeah, he left. He left Jalen Ramsey upset. Yeah, very much so. I like that. Um, I, I I like that that move by him. Um. I mean, it's it's a little bit of like an iron chipper and iron type thing. Like like here, uh, you know, I'm good, you're good. Let's go have a good game. Um, but it's a little bit like knowing Ramsey's attitude. You know, some comment like that is gonna get get under his skin a little bit. And oh. 
it clearly totally. worked. It didn't throw him off his game, but it definitely got under his skin. Um, yes. But anyway, so that was that was the first one. The second one, which I briefly mentioned, where he uh, he like he pump faked Leonard Floyd just just out of existence, um, and it was it was actually really interesting. I, I listened to the uh, interview he had on the his weekly spot on the uh, punter Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee show. Thank you. Um, and he broke that play down, and clearly the intent as I mentioned, was not to actually run it in for a touchdown. He pump faked once to try and like see if, because he was trying to get it to, I think it was Tunyon who was behind Floyd. Um, and Floyd read it, read it well. Like that's why he jumped up and got like that. But then it opened it up that I think Rogers faked one more time. And he's like, wait a second, I'm on the two yard. And I can just dive this in, which is that's like hard nose, like beginning of his career, you know, discount double check the, the, the title belt Aaron Rodgers that's just like run it in from anywhere kind of thing um which we saw a little bit in that Bucks game earlier in the season with the Hingham the Kringleberry pump um <laughs> celebration but um you know what it's it's good to see as you know flashes like he's playing at that level again he's playing at that Aaron Rodgers bad man level and it's above he's playing above that well, I mean, he's yeah. playing the best the best I've ever seen and it's it's amazing 37 years old playing the best. I mean, after watching this season, you've got to think he's got, I don't want to get ahead of myself, maybe five years, five good years in front of him. Yeah. All, you know, all things considered, as long as he stays healthy, the man, we've seen quarterbacks nowadays, they they can play into their 40s and stay very competitive among the top in the NFL there's nothing to say that Aaron Rodgers is going to all of a sudden just take a step backwards. This man is on another level and he's on a mission. Yeah. No, the Drew Brees cliff is not, is not anywhere close for him. I don't know how many years it's not worth predicting because father time comes whenever the hell he wants to. Um, but it's, you know, love probably will see, will ride his entire rookie contract on the bench. And that's, that's, that's that. Um, so, <laughs> You know what? I mean, much like Aaron Rodgers did. I mean, he he was on the bench for his first. He was drafted in 05. He didn't see action until what 09? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, so, it's, I mean, it's 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 nothing it's, to it's nothing to be upset with. You're behind the best quarterback, maybe talent wise of all time. And don't say that. Too it's loud a good person to learn from. Don't say that too loud in Green Bay. There's plenty of people upset with it, but that's neither here nor oh, there. Fuck oh, Brett Favre. No, not him. It's fans <laughs> mad at the oh, Jordan well, Love because he waits. <laughs> Oh, whatever. I don't it's care. It's strange out of nowhere. Brett Favre is going to take a shot on a guy who has actually doesn't have any anything words to say about the pick, but okay. <laughs> um, then the th- I'll then just say the- that anytime I want. <laughs> Understandable. Um, when he owns you like he did, I, I get it. Um, the the third one was um, the third touchdown, where it's just like was vintage Rodgers was the uh the the game clincher that was the deep bomb mm. to uh Lazard and he mentions and LaFleur mentioned in, in their postgame talk is they knew with the repetitive run look they were doing that the obviously the play action would open up because the, the Rams defense was playing aggressive they're playing from behind they're trying to stop get you short of the chains get you out you know get you to punt um get the ball back right so they're gonna bite aggressive and bite hard on those looks and I think the thing that was really unique about this play, and again, going to go back to the Pat McAfee interview, is uh, because McAfee called it out. Um, if you watch the replays, he's he's sitting there and he yells out to Lazard, and he kind of like points up the field. Um, he claims it was to say, "Hey, like 
you have to sell this so you get the safety to bite on your look, right? Because because I was the, the play dialed up was a play action was a play action pass. Like they were knew they were going play action all along. It wasn't audibled. It was a play action look. They were they knew that this was going to be like one of the only shots they had like at this type of play. Um, and and so in order to execute it properly, he said he were, he was basically giving a reminder to Lazar that he has to. Get, but you know, fake that he's going to block, so you get that safety coming down in the box, and then that opens up your path, and then you, you know, you, <clears throat> it opens up your path to, to for the deep ball. It absolutely looks like that he just said, "Hey, Lazard, go deep. I got gotcha. you." Oh, go that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just hit him. He said, "Lazard, end zone touchdown." Like that's what it looked like. Um, so you can take whatever side of that story you want. Um, I'm going to call bullshit on Roger's story and say he was just saying, "Lazard, go for it," and hit him. Uh, it did bluff the safety very, very well. I mean, that's exactly what happened is, is he, he, Lazard executed perfectly. He sold like he was in a block, then just cut up field and, and ran that post. And next thing you know, he's about seven yards past the secondary and into the end zone. So, yep. um, yeah, I just, like you said, like I said, vintage Rogers, uh, modern LaFleur, it's a match made in heaven. Um, it's the, probably the number one, not even on the, the reason why we're cruising the way we are right now. Um, we spent a lot of time on that, so we'll go a little quickly here. Run game did its job where it needed to, um, and I want to highlight that Jones' Jones's 60-yard run was only the third time the Rams' defense this entire season had a, had allowed a, a carry of 20 yards or more. Um, we knew coming into this game that that was the matchup to look for because that Rams' defense is playing the best out of any team in football, um, and mm-hmm. the Packers just made them look like they were a middle school defense. Um Elton Jenkins, I'm going to go over to the L-line quickly here. Um, that matchup versus Aaron Donald was a beautiful matchup to watch. Um, I know I'm not going to sit here and say that that was 100% strength, Aaron Donald. He, I'm sure his ribs were hurting him a whole lot because it's not an issue you you, you recover from in a week. Um, right. That being said, Elton Jenkins made Donald look like he was nothing and actually made him look like another crying baby because he got him, he got him to commit into a 15-yard – unsportsmanlike conduct while doing absolutely nothing except for holding the chest pads. Um, yep. So he, he definitely got in his head on that one. He was yanking at his, uh, Donald was yanking at his face mask. Just was, out of, you could tell it was out of pure frustration. It was frustration. And I think if you look at the shot, like if you look at the play, like I think there was, it wasn't intentional, obviously like nobody, no player goes out there. Well, that's not true. Not a lot of players go out there with the intent to harm another player. Um, Obviously, you know, sure. if a player has been on the injury report, like there's there's things you can do that would make that injury hurt and make them less effective. But in a blocking scenario, Elton's not trying to focus on trying to punch him in the sternum so it, it hurts, right? He's just trying to make sure he doesn't get to his quarterback. So he might have put a hand or like it made a made a hit you know, or, a, or a punch or a block of some sort to right where it's hurting Donald. And that might have pissed Donald off because Donald's like, listen, I'm not in this game for long. Like, I don't have many shots to get to the quarterback. Like, why the, why the hell are you doing that to me? Um, which, which, I mean, I probably would have that too. It probably can hurt to get punched like he did if that's what it was. Like it, it was, you know, just a classic block pattern, but it just, it probably aggravated it and that might've set him off, but that doesn't mean it's excusable and it's fun to laugh at. So uh, Aaron Donald, you got, you got reduced. <laughs> in this game. Um, and beyond that, there was, I mean, no sacks whatsoever. Uh, there's only one hit allowed and Rogers had all day to look at it before he got hit. So he still got the pass away and I pretty sure completed it. Um, and then the offensive line, you know, the running backs were able to get 188 total yards of rushing behind that offensive line. I don't think the Rams had given up a hundred yard game all season. I, I might be wrong on that, but either way, it was just, 
it just was like the Rams could could do nothing of their normal game. Um, receivers, there wasn't really a ton of uh, like super highlighting marks. Devontae had 66 and a touchdown. Um, he just was catching, you know, everybody's catching balls in 92. Devontae was making, like I said, making making light work of Jalen Ramsey when that matchup happened. They also moved him away from Jalen. He did perfectly fine in those matchups too. Um, it was a lot of possession routes. There wasn't really a ton of deep deep shots, mostly because um, once the once the line was protecting well, they they started to wait a little longer. But it wasn't a lot of like deep balls. It was a lot of crossing routes, like mid shallow crosses, um, maybe a little bit like mid to deep. Uh, but there wasn't just a ton of evolution around. So Rogers had time, got the ball out where he needed to go. They moved the chains. Uh, Tunyon came in with a, three, a few catches. Lazard. Mentioned him. He had his, you know his long catch, but he had a his second highest posting on the season since the career day, which was against the Saints. I think he had like 95 yards in this game, and the Saints game was like 150. But but you know, 95 is still great. We'll take that 95 and a touchdown mm-hmm. Devonte from your number two wide receiver. Um, that's perfect. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of run through there, but. I mean, when you just look at those numbers, you can't really sit and focus on how, I mean, you can't complain on them because they're all so good. Like, you know, you had everybody stepping up when they needed to Jamal and um, AJ Dillon got in there, had some key runs. Jones obviously handled most of the work out of the backfield. Uh, But yeah, just, just great all around. Yeah. Really? You really can't find much to complain about in this game. Offensive line did their thing. Uh, As you said, no, no sacks allowed. Aaron Rodgers was, had a pretty clean pocket all day and the defense we haven't even, I know we're about to get to them, but the defense made it, made Jared Goff's life a living hell back yeah. there. I mean, the yeah, poor the guy. Defense, yeah. The defense made it look like, and, and Goff, Goff came in with a hurt in hand. So you knew he was going to be nervous. And oh yeah. Having that on his mind, which is going to affect his game plan. He's not a quarterback who can sit down there and go broken thumb, smoking thumb. He's not like, you know, he's, that's something that's going to get in his head and like, affect who he is. Cause he's a, he's not a, an elite quarterback who can just set that shit aside, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, the pass rush got all over him. Uh, both Smith brothers had seven pass pass seven pressures to, you know, them, to themselves. Uh, we had three sacks total on Goff. Uh, Clark had a sack and a half. Gary had a sack and a half and Z had a sack and a, or a sack all of himself. So, I mean, that's just a great day right there. That's no, four. that's three because the half sack. Oh, that's four. One and a half plus one guess. and a half. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Um, yeah, it's four sacks. So even better. Um, even better. He was he was feeling his hand and, and feeling the pass rush all day. Um, and then the biggest stat of the day which which blew my mind. I mean, we knew Jair was locked down. Um, he was like locked down, shut out, whatever you want to say this game. I, like there's the lockdown doesn't even begin to describe it because one catch for negative three yards. And that's the first time since 2006 that that's happened in a playoff game. In a playoff situation, he allowed one catch and it didn't even go for positive yardage. Like it was a, it was a, it was a bubble screen that he blew up immediately for a three yard loss. Like unbelievable. I mean, if, if priority number one isn't pay this man this off season or get him to assign an extension for some, for some amount of time, I don't know what, I don't know what the priority is because he has been 
I mean, he's you know that's the same. That's the that's what that's why the Rams trade two first for Jalen Ramsey. That's what they were trying to get out of that deal. Like, and this is a draft pick of ours, and and we have him under control, and he's gonna be a Packer for life because he better fucking be, or else I'm gonna be pissed. Like, my God, unreal. Was only so he's only twenty three. Yeah, I think this is his third shit. year in the league, isn't it? That's cr- he's only twenty three. I mean, that's crazy. It's about to be, be twenty four, but still, that's crazy. When was he oh drafted? Two thousand eighteen, out of Louisville. This is his fourth season, so, then. Uh, this is third. his third year. Yeah. So yeah. this, so, so this third is going to be so next year. It'll be his last year under contract. Um, yeah, they're going to extend his ass. If they don't, oh, I'm yeah. going to be really I mean, questioning that would make, no this, but... it would make zero sense. Like, in zero sense. Lock that man up. That's that's vital. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like I said, nothing to complain about on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. Um. And now we get to look ahead to the other team I really, really didn't want to face this postseason um, in the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, which – it's fine because I didn't want to see the Rams and we made them look like mincemeat. So we made them look like sheep, not Rams. Um, so maybe we'll look that make the, the bucks look like, I don't know what an analogy for them is like, I, what a, a tame pirate is, but um, yeah. I, I, so they're coming up here next week. We got a Brady or what? We'll have to work on that one. The analogy for a tame pirate. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to, yeah, yeah, we'll have to get that one. <laughs> A I mean, law-abiding citizen. <laughs> a dork. I don't know. Uh, um, yeah. A dork. <laughs> I mean, Brady versus Rodgers, who would have thought that we'd be ever seeing this matchup in an NFC championship game? I mean, not me. I thought yeah. I thought we'd always I thought we'd always see Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform. And now we get the opportunity to see two of the best quarterbacks to ever put on a uniform go out there and play each other for 60 minutes and as much as I dislike both of these guys, I am very excited to see them play. Yeah, it's going to be an incredible game. Um, I think the biggest thing to note is that the, you know, especially for for this alleviate a lot of my worries going into this game. And not saying I'm like not worried because it's still an NFC Championship game. Sure. And both teams deserve deserve to go to the Super Bowl. Um, but the defense that was so vaunted and just gave the Packers absolute fits. On, um, on in that week six matchup, uh, so the weeks one through seven, based on uh, EPA for per play allowed, which EPA is EPA is expected points added, which basically means uh, how how bene- it's like it's kind of like when you look at WAR, like how beneficial was a was a play to your expected point total. Um, so like, did it, you know, it basically takes you the down distance and field position situation at the start of play and contrasts with the situation at the end of the play. So obviously if you went backwards, you know, a sack is a negative EPA per play, um, for the offense, conversely for the defense to positive EPA per play, right? Um, how many points did you add or, or not add to your team's total for the end of, to the end of the game? Um, so in EPA per play, which is a advanced nerd stat analytics wise, um, the, the four teams left, by the way, are basically the best four, especially in terms of offensive EPA, but um, not necessarily like they're the bus. They're like, if you graph it out on a up, down, left, right graph, they're like the farthest right. And I guess technically the furthest up 
Um, the Chiefs kind of have actually a negative def- defensive EPA per play, but the other three are all positive. So playing well enough. Bucks were in the first seven weeks were first in all overall defense, second in pass defense, and first in run defense, which is week six. That's exactly when the Packers ran into them, and they were a buzzsaw. Um, mm-hmm. Since then, they have been 14th in overall defense, 14th in pass defense, and sixth in run defense. So, um, and they they lost Vita Vea, which they may or may not get him back for this game. Um, which is a big, big, big addition to that interior. Um, but they have not been performing up to standards, um, or at least up to what they were. Um, and there's not much reason to bet against um, bet against Rodgers and Lafleur in a second matchup because what they have is a full 60-minute worth of game film on this defense – and how to combat it and what went wrong the first time and how to beat it the second time. Um, you know, you look at what they did. They gave a lot of like zero blitz and confusing looks where they would look like they're going to blitz a linebacker, then drop him to coverage and just fool the shit out of Rogers last matchup. Um, you're not going to see those plays even really come into existence until the, until Rogers has a feel for what they're doing in this game. Uh, you know, the beginning first 15, 20 plays of the script will be quick outs runs wide, try and get away from the interior of that defense and try and get, you know, those linebackers moving left to right. So you can try and get behind them in a, in a, um, you know, in a, in a fake type situation. Um, so they want to see how aggressive they're going to play and, and they're going to go from there. So it's going to be really about making sure you contain that pass rush and get the ball out quickly and keep Rogers upright. Cause that's going to be the biggest thing. Um, I think the weather I mean, forecast, the best, obviously this game's- I mean, that's the best way for that. Like you said, that's the best way for the Packers to beat the Bucks is going to be through the air because their run defense is tops in the league. They allow only 80 yards a game, uh, 10 yards better than the second best team, which is the Indianapolis Colts. So, I, I mean, the Packers are going to, I know the weather is supposed to be shitty. I know you're about to mention it. The weather is going to be, there's snow in the forecast, mid to high 20s uh, at best on Sunday in Lambeau, but. I think the Packers are going to have to go through the air to 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 beat this Bucks defense, and it, it should be interesting with that weather to see how they can they can go up against that secondary, which has not been great. I mean, I think they're twenty second in pass defense, so not not great, and especially against probably the best quarterback in the league right now, it's not the best matchup for the Bucks. But if the Packers can can continue to keep that that offense humming on on the passing side, then. That could be all the difference. Yeah, it's far less intimidating than the Rams' defense. The Rams, by pretty much every metric that that walked into Lambeau last week, were the best. And like we said, we we saw mm-hmm. into them. Um, but so it, it's and not just like aerial attack is going to be the way to go. But like I said, and not even just just bombing the ball away. Like it's going to be right. get the ball quick. You're going to see little sh- slants and screens of Devontae, Maybe a few deep shots after that. Like that the underneath game starts to open up, and you can get those linebackers trying to bite on that, get a hitch and go or something like that for the deep shot. Which there's always just one or two. You can always try and burn a defense by doing that. So you're going to see MVS on one of those. Um, MVS actually I have to go back and say uh, quietly in that game was very productive. He didn't have a stat padding game. He doesn't normally, but. He, he, a lot of his targets seem to be like way down the field and like 30 yards or deeper. And he hauls that in for a touchdown maybe, or he doesn't, but he had a, a few big catches that were just kind of like move the chains type catches in this game. Um, so, and he'll need to do that again. It'll need to be a lot of that. And then, you know, see late if you're getting that defense to be u- uber aggressive and trying to bite downhill, um, you can maybe hit him on another deep shot like they did to the Lazard to kind of seal the game away last week. But 
Yeah, as you mentioned, obviously the game's in Lambeau, which is the first time we've been able to say that in all of Rogers' career, um, which is wild, but it is what it is. Um, and it's 29 and snowy and I believe a little bit of wind. So yeah, some not so great weather, but that is plays right into the Packers' strengths because that's what you want. That's why you want to have a home field, home game in Lambeau in the middle of January. Is Besides Tom Brady, not many of these other players are, are really – and maybe Antonio Brown – are really familiar with playing in this type of weather forecast. They all play or even in this, or even in this type of situation. I mean, most of these players have not been in this kind of game. Yeah, who are I on mean, the Bucks right now? I mean, outside of I think I would say um, Tom Brady, obviously, and Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, maybe. But who yeah. else has been in this situation? I mean, Mike Evans has never has, was ever even in the playoffs before. Chris Godwin, uh, nobody on that defense. I mean, who's been there? Yeah, the gravity situation is definitely big for this team. But you have, like you said, yeah. you still have Tom Brady, who has been given the freedom to coach and do what he does. You have Bruce Arians, and who's been in this situation many a time, and in fact beat the the Green Bay Packers in this situation more than once. Uh, let's not talk mm-hmm. about those Arizona Cardinals losses. But it's so it'll be interesting to watch. Um, the definitely the players have to step up to the gravity situation. But I, I this is a well coached team. That's not like they're they're a team that isn't supposed to be here. Everybody once you no, kind I of mean, saw Brady go down there, you're like, all right, there's, they're going to be right in the thick of it. So, um, right. Not since here's here's a stat for you for how, to see how Tom Brady has affected that team since their loss to Tampa to uh, Kansas City week twelve. Uh, they have. Gone on a six-game winning streak. Tom Brady is uh, completing seventy percent of his passes. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, seventy percent of his passes for two thousand yards, sixteen touchdowns, one interception, and a one seventeen point two rating. Well, and that's that's where the bigger fear in this matchup comes in for me. It's not about. I mean, it's definitely about the pass rush. Um, that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's to be you know because that's what really kind of gave us fits last time around, but. As much as we talk about the defense regressing, um, Brady is playing at a a, at a perfect January Brady level. So um, it's going to be like a really really good game. I mean, NFL neutrals are just excited for this weekend because both games are are fantastic billings um, and rematches of Mm -hmm. earlier season matchups. So there's definitely revenge on both teams' minds. Um, But it's just going to be interesting to see interesting to see what happens. the, the Brady is Brady's a different beast and the way he's playing with three elite wide receivers or at least pro bowl caliber wide receivers um, is it's nothing to be taken lightly. So as much as I sat there, no. just the, the offensive matchup, um, the defense has to do their job too. And hopefully you can overpower that line and get the, get the same pressure rate we were getting this weekend against the Rams. But um, the, 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 I want to go back actually Petten gets a lot of flack in general, and uh, he's had from some, you. <laughs> well, partially yeah, from you, not just from me, from a lot of Packers. Oh no, no, I know. Um, yeah, and I, I've, I've definitely given my him his his fair dosage of it, but I think the biggest thing that that I, I appreciated from that Rams game, watching watching the defensive game plan and watching the um, it was not a you know there was plenty of plays where they were able to you know, convert, move the ball down the field, but there wasn't many touchdowns. It was a bend, but don't break mentality. And they always had the right look when they really needed to. And that is going to be huge. You cannot give up these big gashing plays. I, I don't want to see Antonio Brown on end around shuttle passes or any of these crazy things that they've been able to do in this, in the postseason so far. 
if you get Brady into slice and dice mode, it's, you know, obviously you have, you have 12 on your side of the field, you have your own 12, but if you get that 12 into slice and dice mode, it's, it's not, it's not going to end pretty for you. Um, Cause you're, it's going to be, the score is going to keep running up. Your defense is going to get tired. I mean, whether mm-hmm. you come out on top or not, that's, that's one issue altogether, but you, you can't let that, you can't let him get that momentum going. Cause that's, that's just, yeah. that's asking for disaster. Right. I think it's really going to come down to with, like we said, with the weather being the way it is. I mean, the turnover, the turnover battle is going to be the biggest thing. Whoever is able to force those takeaways is going to be coming out on top. We saw it. It turned the game around on Sunday for the, for the Buccaneers against the saints. They were able to, uh, Sean Murphy bunting got that huge interception off, off Drew Brees and that changed the game and put the bucks back in front. And they, then they, then they intercepted him two more times to ice the game. You know, that is a, a, very good defensive unit and they have, but they're, I mean, they're going to have their hands full obviously on Sunday with the MVP uh, on the other side, but it's, it's going to be the team that gets, I mean, I'm sure this goes for any game in the NFL, but whoever is creating is winning that turnover battle is going to be, have a huge advantage in this one. Oh, I didn't think that's where you're going. I thought you're going to hit us with a team that gets the most points is going to win. That's definitely how how the game works. Yeah, exactly. Old old John Madden classic saying. Yeah. Uh, the team that gets more touchdowns. That's my that's my uh, John Madden impression. Work on it. Impeccable. Yeah. No, you're Four. absolutely right. Turnovers are going to be vital in this game. That's really what kind of swayed the tide for the um the Bucks against the Saints. Because like you said, the Saints were always in that game until about mm-hmm. three and a, or five and a half minutes left in that game, and they. And then, and then it just it turn over and turn over, over and yeah. game over kind of thing. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> can, I, can I get a prediction? I can. <sighs> I know. I mean, I know we're a couple days out. Things can change. You know, right now Antonio Brown is day to day. Um, he he is day to day, so we might not even see him play. So a lot of things can change in the time between tonight and Sunday. Give me some thoughts. What are we looking at? Uh, for this for this big matchup between two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, what does Vegas say? Vegas says over under fifty one, and has the Packers at three and a half favorites at home. Oh, lordy lord! Um, I hate predicting these games. <laughs> um, let's go. Let's go 31-26 Packers. Okay. I like that. I think yeah, I think it'll come down to a to a final uh drive Brady bringing them down the field and I think we're going to see him not be able to pull it out this time. Yeah. He's he has historically I know it's a totally different situation, totally different team, everything like that, but he historically he has struggled in road playoff games. In, on, on that big stage. So in that in those AFC championship games, he he did consistently struggle when it came to pulling out those victories. He was much better at home, obviously. That that, that tends to happen with, with most players, but he has had trouble. So it's not it's nothing new. Um, but I do like the Packers as well. Um, I'm gonna go Packers. Um, I'm gonna say 34 to 20. 28 Packers. 
I think it's going to be a, despite the weather, I think it's still going to be a, a pretty high scoring affair. And I think it'll be a perfect way. I think that's the night game, is it not? I think it's the later two. Yeah, I think the I think the yeah. Bills game is first, considering it's in the Eastern time zone. Actually, yeah, no, so that's, I mean, see that Central. That's actually even more west of here. But I think you're right. Oh no, sorry, it is the first game, two oh five. Oh really? Oh well. Yes. Uh, so I mean, I think it'll be the perfect <laughs> start off Championship Sunday. Then I'll say that. Uh, I mean, with this doubleheader, uh, it wouldn't really matter how they're framed up. They're going to be no, dynamite game. I mean, can, can I mean we can talk about it really quickly, but. Is there? I mean, obviously, as a Packers fan, you you want to see the Packers win and go to the Super Bowl. But in this situation with these four teams left, there's not a matchup that I would be upset to see. You'd have, I mean, you got Packers Chiefs, which is I, which what which is what I'm predicting. We will see. I, I think we'll see Packers Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Um, historic, you know, first Super Bowl one. You know, yeah. two of the, the two two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, two of the top MVP candidates going up against each other. Uh, the the Jedi versus the Padawan, um, <laughs> you know, and then or or we could have uh, Bill versus the State Farm Bowl, sir. <laughs> the state, oh my God, State Farm would have a field day with that. They would be loving to see a Mahomes. Yeah, are. <laughs> the, the Mahomes. What is it? The uh, the Patrick Price versus the, the Rogers rate. Exactly. Oh my God, they'd be gushing. Uh, and then you, you know, Bills versus Packers, another two MVP candidates against each other. Bills versus Bucks. You could see Tom Brady versus a team versus the team he terrorized all those years in New England. Gets to play gets to play the Bills in the Super Bowl. And then Chiefs versus Bucks. Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Super Bowl. You cannot go wrong, really, either way, especially in my case. You cannot go wrong. I, I can I could not go wrong here. I'm I'm winning. Us neutrals are winning here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you're. I mean, you're absolutely right. There, there are four matches that are great for football. Um, I think you know if you ask the true, the true diehards of the the 2000s and, and early 2010s football days, they would they would hate, say, "Nah, Brady's still in it. I don't like it. I don't like to, you know." Ask a Steelers fan if they're if they're happy to see Brady potentially going to the Super Bowl. They're not. They're not. Um, whether it's founded or not, they're not happy to see it. So. But it, but you know he might get a little bit of a pass because he's not on this. It's not the Patriots anymore. That thing that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. It's, not, that's, it's not Darth Vader, yeah. Bill Belichick sitting on the sideline with his right. with his Motorola fucking headset from two thousand three, standing in yeah. the hoodie just ready to eat your soul. Um, <laughs> so I, that that's the biggest thing. And, and maybe five years from now we will be saying that about the Chiefs because Andy Reid. But Andy Reid's just too joyful, I think, and to to really really. Get to that role ever. He's, that he's just such a great, great old little funny grandpa guy. Um, Candy Reed. <laughs> yeah, has lots of that. Um, yeah. No, a cheeseburger Reed. Um, but yeah, no, you, you can't really. I mean, you can't really get mad. These are going to be great games to watch, no matter who makes it. Well, both these games, and then no matter who makes the Super Bowl, it's going to be storylines mm-hmm. abound. So, yeah, definitely love it. Yes. Pack. Hopefully, we're talking about that storyline, not and not the Bucks. <clears throat> we'll see about that. <laughs> okay, Evan, that is quite enough football talk. I think we've been doing football for the last like three episodes. There's been a lot to talk about, but I think we should move on and talk a little round ball, basketball, basketball Jones. Let's talk about some NBA. <laughs> Back 
Basketball Jones. Basketball Jones. I can't. You say don't I'm know Basketball familiar. Jones. No. Look it up after. We'll look it up after. Okay. After we're done. Let's talk basketball bulls. Yes, basketball bulls. The Chicago Bulls. After I overreacted to the nth degree, <laughs> two games into the season, you lit the entire team on fire. And yeah, I was. Pick. <laughs> I was ready to. Uh, I was ready to throw it all away, and uh, just really not have a sports team that I followed because all. All my sports teams are so sad right now. But the Chicago Bulls have bounced back and are looking like the team that I was hoping they would be. And they have a lot of young talent that is really leading the way, especially one Zach Levine, who is looking in all-star all-star form this year. I'm really, really happy with the way he's come out. Um He's averaging 25 points a game, uh, fifth or excuse me, 27 points per game, fifth in the NBA, five and a half assists, five rebounds, shooting 50%, 50% from the field, 39 from three, and 86 from free throw. I mean, you can't really ask for much more on the offensive side from him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah not really. That's a pretty solid stat line is what that is. Mm-hmm. I have no uh, there. <laughs> no. So with him leading the way on offense, we, we're not surprised by that, though. You know, Zach has been the leading scorer for the Bulls the last couple of years, but it's about the, the guys who can be around him and see if we can build this roster up and or if we need to start making decisions about players. You know, Laurie Markkinen was a guy who was up for an extension this year. He... Uh, was going into the fourth year of his rookie contract, and the Bulls decided not to extend him before the season. We saw a lot of other players get that honor. Um, we saw De'Aaron Fox. We saw Donovan Mitchell, um, Lonzo Ball. Uh, I believe Jalen Brown got an extension this offseason. So a lot of players, but Laurie Markkinen just not quite at that tier yet to be commanding uh, a raise when he's coming off a season where he only played 33 games due to injury and kind of underperformed, uh, especially on the offensive side where he's supposed to be at his best, um, you know, wasn't able to hit from three at a high percentage and he wasn't much of a, a force as we were hoping, especially when we drafted him with the seventh pick in the 2017 draft. Um, and now he's really showing like he can, uh, He's bounced back and um, he's being he's been able to shoot the three much better this season, uh, putting up forty percent. It's a career high for him and him and Zach Levine in this offense. I mean, I love watching the two of them together, and I feel like they're such a good inside-out duo. Um, they really add a lot to this uh, to this offense. Is that the duo of the future? That's the question. I mean, do we want to pay Laurie Markkinen? Zach Levine's on a very team-friendly deal, honestly, when it comes to his talent. he's He signed a four-year, $80 million contract two years ago. So this isn't, won't be his last year, but next year is the last year of that contract. And we're going to have to decide, do we want to extend Zach? Because he could be the the guy who is the leading scorer, but he's not the guy who can be the best player on a really 
contending team. He could probably lead us to like the eight seed, nine seed as the best player on the team. But I think we need somebody else who can come in and be that facilitator for the offense and allow Zach to be that second that second guy and be able to just just focus on scoring. He doesn't have to also run the offense at the same time. And then when it comes to Laurie, I think we could extend him, but I'd want to get him on a deal similar to what Zach had. I think $20 million a year is pretty fair for what he's done. He had a good first two seasons, was disappointing, and then injured last season, and now he seems to be getting back into form. So I think that's a fair contract. Maybe four years, like $100 million. I don't know, 25, you know, it kind either one seems fair, but I think bringing both of them back would be a good idea and building them with the guy who we picked the number four pick of this season, a guy who I had no idea who he was before the year. And he has come in and impressed me more than I could even imagine. That's Patrick Williams. Yeah. My baby bull. <laughs> the next baby bull. <laughs> The next baby bull and getting a lot of comparisons to a guy who he matched up with a couple games ago. And that is Kawhi Leonard. Hi. I mean, that's high that, praise. That's high praise, high comparison. Like one of the best players in the NBA, the probably the best two way player in the league. And Patrick Williams has really shown flashes of what Kawhi Leonard was doing early in his career. He's, great in perimeter defense he um is a 50 percent three-point shooter on the season after coming in and shooting i believe 30 percent in college um he is quick he's athletic he can uh facilitate the offense if he has to he has a killer mid-range game uh i mean he's pretty much the whole package you could want and you can now i can now say like Unless, barring some sort of cruel twist, he is very deserving of that number four pick. A guy who a lot of people were surprised that when he was picked, but he's lived up to the billing, and he's one of the best rookies in the NBA, and he's the youngest. So think about that. Just shows you the the <clears throat> the intrigue around this class, especially being no, you know. There was obviously not a full season for them to go off of uh, college basketball-wise. And the last time you saw some of these players, they were riding the bench or developing into roles. And, and you're not, and you didn't get that. You didn't get that like stud Zion, like one and done player mm-hmm. who's going to come through and just obviously translate immediately to the NBA because he's just he's just NBA ready. So yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting to see. Uh, it's good to see Patrick flourishing. Um, you know, you want to keep that development going. Uh, but I, I don't think I don't think you were the only one who's surprised by this. <laughs> that's no. not that's not a Bulls front office member. No, definitely, and the that just shows that the Bulls front office is now. You can see it's an obvious shift in the way things are handled now between Garpax and Arturis Karnasovas and Mark Emery. You know, with the with the Bulls' new front office, they're able to actually scout good players <laughs> and not just pick the, not just read mock drafts and say, okay, we're going to take that guy. They would always take, it would always be in the mock draft perfectly landed every time. It was like, you could predict it. It was like the, you know, I mean, 
they read Woj's most recent mock right before jumping. They're like, oh yeah, okay. Oh, it sounds good. All right, yeah, we'll we'll take him. That that sounds good. always. It was always Laurie Markkinen was always on there. Wendell Carter and Kobe White. Those four, those three guys in a row, and that was all Gar Packs. And then now AK comes in. I didn't see a single thing about Patrick Williams. NBA in the total of the NBA draft coverage, yeah. I didn't see his name mentioned. People and then like, they drafted who? <laughs> and then he gets it really. I mean, very surprise, very shocking, very <laughs> shocking. But trust, I have to trust AK, I have to trust Mark, and I have to trust Billy Donovan as the head coach, a guy who has come in and he has totally helped change the culture. The Bulls' offense is humming. The defense is getting there. They're not great. That's definitely one of their flaws. And the turnovers, that's a mess too. (laughs) But overall, I feel like the Bulls have been able to really expand this roster and see the full capability of it now that Jim Boylan is not in charge. It's just the taking out of him has created such a wave through the team. It's amazing. Like I don't know what Garpacks were doing. In that situation, but to Batman keep Jim Boylan, <laughs> to keep yeah, to keep Jim Boylan was just completely insane. But I'm glad we waited a year and got and got Billy Donovan because he would not have been available last year when I was hoping the Bulls would change their coach. But here we are, and better off for it. It looks I, this is the best Bulls start in I think eight years. Yeah, six and eight, eight, Rose six, and eight through, six and eight through fourteen games, and I, I actually enjoy watching Bulls games now. <laughs> Think about that. It's it's been hard to watch them, especially in games against uh, bigger opponents. You know the the Lakers, the Clippers, the the Dallas Mavericks, uh, the Bucks, those kind those type of teams, and they're keeping it. Well, I don't think they've played the Bucks yet this season. But no, that's coming though. I think that's actually this weekend, or it's like right after. It's like um, the the Bucks, which we'll get to, are, are in the midst of a very tough stretch of three games. But I think I think the Bulls might be there. Oh no, Hawks! I know they're right around the corner. It's not far away. The first Bucks Bulls matchup. Um, I'm excited to or see. Or I'm that, completely that. wrong. It actually is very far away. Like, <laughs> have we played yet? Oh, we did. New Year's Day. Oh, there you go. Bucks won by thirty. Um, so yeah, so that makes sense. That one close. <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't look like the rematches for a while, actually, um, which is interesting. This is the game coming out until March, and I don't see anything yet. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but they've they've certain the Bucks or the 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 Bulls have certainly looked better. They taught me a taught me a lesson the other day. They screwed my parlay when I took the Mavericks over them and <laughs> they blew them out of the water. So yeah, they've uh, uh, it's not a team to underestimate anymore. That's for no. dang sure. No, and it's it's been a big thanks to the bench. the The bench has four players on it who could be quality starters in in the NBA for other teams. In Otto Porter, Thad Young. Garrett Temple and Thomas Sadoransky, all four of those guys are veteran presences that the Bulls have not had in years. This roster has not had that kind of stability and guys who have been in important playoff games and NBA finals and you know can can help teach these young guys and 
and they come in and they they've been top five bench in the league in terms of scoring and they've been the reason the bulls have been on this current run they're on winning three out of four well i'm i'm looking through here i winning three out of four and the games they're losing they're not exactly like hard fought or not exactly blowouts no you go back to the overtime last friday against the thunder Two point. That was. I mean, game. That was, the Bulls should have won that game. They were up twenty two with like eight minutes to go. Yeah, that well, was, and there was that game earlier in the season with the Warriors, right? There was the same thing. Yeah, they should have won that game too. There's, I mean, there's plenty. The Bulls really could have a better record if things just bounced their way a little differently. I'm but looking and seeing a team that lost by two to the Lakers, lost by two to the Thunder, lost by one to the Warriors, and three to the Clippers, and yeah. also has beaten teams like the Mavericks. Actually, beaten the Barnes off the off the Mavericks twice already. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is a team. Even yeah, there's some bad losses, and there's some you know games that with with more experience, you're not you're not down by two, you're up by two to finish the game. But definitely, definitely a lot of promise in this early season for the for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I just the one thing I can ask. Oh, oh, Chicago Bulls. Oh, Benny. St. Benny the Bull, <laughs> I come to you in this time to just ask. With an offering of popcorn. <laughs> just please be please be competitive because every other team I watch for Chicago sports just breaks my heart. I don't care if you guys lose this season or don't even make the playoffs. Just make it fun to watch. That's all I can ask. And then we just build from there. And then we go. Because I could see some trades happening this season. Amen. I could see some trades happening this season. <laughs> Wait, is the trade <laughs> is the plea for trades in the prayer or not part of the prayer? No, I mean that's just like if they trade, I could see them trading a guy like Otto Porter to a to a team that's going to the NBA Finals, a Los Angeles Lakers, a Miami Heat, a, a Dallas Mavericks, a Milwaukee Bucks. All you know, oh, they won't trade in division. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that really matters when it comes to that, but you know, um, but and then just see what we take our young pieces, let them grow, let them work this season, let them work out their errors. Kobe White, work out your little funkiness. We'll see if you're. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a point guard. I think we need an actual point guard to come in, and I think that's the number one either draft decision for the bulls is to get a is to get a point guard um or to um find one in free agency or via trade so i don't know who would be available but if the bulls can you know have these young pieces play well and just kind of hold on to what they have see where they go win a couple games along the way maybe by by next free agency they'll have a star who wants to come play for them. You know what I mean? Maybe that kind of build up yourself as a, you know, look at this, like kind of a sexy roster, you know, like uh, you got Zach Levine, you got Laurie Markinen, you got Patrick Williams and Kobe white off the bench. And you're the point guard. Uh, Kyrie, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just naming a <laughs> random guy. Okay, so Kyrie the way out of the 2022 thing. NBA free agents. Yeah. Listen to this: the 2022 NBA free agents: James Harden, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, um, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Chris, uh, Chris Paul, Bradley Beal, Kemba Walker. It's a, like 
all the best players in the league. Yeah, I I think the the Nets the Nets players will stick around and run it back. I don't see Durant and and Kyrie. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I guess we'll see. Steph we'll Curry, see. Steph Curry to the Bulls. That would be weird. <laughs> that would be really that? weird. I do. I can't imagine him in any any jersey but a Warriors jersey. That would no, be, me neither. But I would love that. I wouldn't. <laughs> oh. I don't. But I don't particularly like Steph. There's plenty of Cleveland years of Cleveland scarring against Steph. So, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's that would be interesting to see. And and but we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. I'm like ten games. No, 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 no. I'm looking into the <laughs> I'm looking at 2022 free agency. Not even 20. Well, it's gonna yeah. be fun. Not even this year. I'm looking at next year. Yeah, uh, interesting times. Y'all playing checkers? I'm playing chess. <laughs> I'm five steps ahead, and by five steps, I mean 11 months and, and next season. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so let's move on to a team that is thinking about the now, thinking about a championship. The Milwaukee Bucks. Where are we yeah, at? Um, thinking about a championship. Uh, definitely started off – uh, to a rocky start. Um, but I think they've uh, up until the Nets game that was on Monday, they had snapped off like seven straight. Um, mm-hmm. And we're sitting on top of the Eastern conference. Uh, it looks like now we're a half game back of the 76ers, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, so we're nine and five uh, after, like I said, rolling off, uh, seven, basically seven out of eight, what it turned out to be. Um, and I, there's been some tough ones. I mean, as, as I mentioned a little bit, um, when we're talking about trying to look ahead for the next Bucks Bulls matchup, the Bucks are in the midst of a tough stretch. Um, they last Friday was at home against the Mavericks, then obviously traveled to Brooklyn and tomorrow they're back here at the Pfizer tomorrow, which is probably today when you're listening, uh, they got the Lakers, the the defending champs, mm. coming into town. Um, so none of those are easy matchups, um, and they have prevented or the past two, and I'm sure tomorrow will as well. Provide very exciting matchups. Um, I mean, the team at times, especially in the Nets game, which I watched very closely, has has looked. They didn't look in it at all. At the, at, like the whole time, like the, I mean, that was. Uh, that was hard in second game and him and Durant were just shooting like it was nobody's business. I mean, they were bearing everything. Uh, so there was a lot of this, the third quarter. And I think even the end of the second quarter where they were down, you know, almost 10 points for a, a good, a good majority of that game, but they pulled in, they pulled within, they tied it up. Um, they needed a three to win with three seconds left in the clock. Um, and um, I, <laughs> It was the classic uh, Budenholzer play of get it into Chris, put him in the corner, and have him lob one up. Uh, although this one was a little bit different, it went in and out. So, like to be fair, like I guess like theory worked because he got a shot off that had a chance of going in and it just didn't. Um, you can blame that one on the rim, but like, why on God's green earth are you having your most impactful player standing at half court trying to charge the lane? From from half court with three and a half seconds left to go and inbounding to a double teamed Chris in the corner, I don't understand that whatsoever. If you have the biggest advantage in all the NBA in in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and you don't even try for like an easy like tippy toes dunk where he mean mugs the crap out of everyone and sends the game in overtime, like yeah, I don't know enough about basketball and I'm not or like schematically and, and game planning wise, I'm not going to pretend to. 
But this play, I feel like I've seen it so many times and I've seen it work maybe once. And it, yeah. I just every time he runs it, I just want it to end. Like, I just like, <laughs> just like somebody needs to get in there with that men in black scanner from, or the, 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 the you know what I'm talking about? And just delete his memory, mm-hmm. erase it from his memory. And cause it just needs to be gone. <laughs> he calls it every time. Um, so yeah, yeah you gotta you've gotta trust your team to be able to beat the Nets in overtime, you know, or you know, at least have the chance. So well, I'm, why not I'm and why not go for the tie? I mean, I understand the idea. I love the idea of going for the win, of course. And especially on the road, I think that's a good I think a good way to do it. Right. But you're you have the two time MVP out there against Kevin Durant, who's uh eh, you know, not the best defender i think he could take him to the hole and i'm just i'm just send that game to send the game to overtime yeah absolutely and the biggest thing for me is i mean like you just not even did you not have Giannis involved in the play you almost drew him out of the play like yeah obviously you could see him starting to rev up he was like the whole intent was to crash the boards and hopefully get another rebound but by the time he got to any point where he could make an impact the horn had gone off and the ball had already bounced away like it's not even <laughs> like you just you just drew him out of the play like that's really what it was and and those are things that like you know i i think we've i've sat here and tried to defend like obviously the the um the heat team that we came against in the postseason last year is was you know that was i don't know if that was like a really like just they just had our number because they had everything running right they went all the way to the finals it's not like they're a bad team mm-hmm. um or if it's like a lot of people obviously start to point fingers at uh at Bood, but like he's a good coach like even with Giannis playing like Giannis does you don't get to however many freaking wins they've had the past two seasons just on Giannis alone like there's you know he he does stuff sometimes but if we're if we get to this year and it's starting to give me a worry is that that you know we're Giannis having a third MVP caliber year. You've done all these acquisitions, which we'll get to in a second, um, and you've you've made all these moves. You have a complete team now, and we're still pissing it away in the first and second round. I, I'm gonna. There's not gonna be much to defend anymore. I mean, you're gonna have, <laughs> you're gonna have to look at a, a, to, a change at the top because, and and that's where this is heading. Like, there's already ire. There's already frustration. There's already nerves among. Bucks fans towards Bood because some of the stuff that he just draws up and is just weird. And yeah. the good thing is sometimes, and I, I, I say this as we, after mentioning that we came back from 10 points down, but it just feels like this team doesn't fight all the time or they're not clutch. I don't know. Something feels off. Like it just like, you know, there, there's not that, like that time when you're like, they all have moments, but there's not like that overwhelming confident feeling of like, Oh yes, I, this is going to this guy and it's going in, right? Giannis can overtake mm-hmm. any matchup in the paint. You're not really super worried down there, but he has he does get out out you know out physical sometimes. Um, it's just the nature of the beast down there. But like when he, when that happens, there's not a second option where he can kick it out yet and be and that be like oh boom done like it's easy right like money. Um, like and so I I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's, it's drew growing more into his role. Maybe it's once this team, as it's, it showed improvement game over game. Once they, once they like really get to where they in mid season form um, and Drew's like fully integrated and, the, and everybody's fully comfortable with their role. You see that team start to click and just be able to shoot from anywhere and, and just not worry. Um, I, I will say the defense is playing very, very stout so far. And that's kind of what you had when you were making these moves. Um, so I like that. 
but I, I just, it worries me. It really does. Um, I will, you know, like I said, I touched on Drew a little bit. Uh, he seems to grow more in, into his role every day. But I think the biggest worry for me now with Drew is something like, I feel like the reins aren't fully being let go of him. Like, I feel like he's still being controlled or managed in some way. He just hasn't really hit his like stride. Like, like I feel like he's not given, and maybe it's, maybe it's due to the lack of familiarity with the offense, but he doesn't, like he kind of was brought in to be like this, you know, as we talked about all offseason, like this this kind of driver of the offense, right? Chris can't do it. He's tried to do it. It doesn't work. You needed somebody to really come in and really facilitate, really be that that calling the plays, making the passes, directing the offense, bringing the ball up. From the, and he's he's doing it, but he's not doing it. If that makes any sense, like it's, <laughs> it's not there yet. And so, uh, um, you know, obviously, fifteen games into the season isn't the time to say like, well, we're screwed. We're not going to win. Um, but there's definitely more improvement to be made than what I'm currently seeing. For me to really feel confident about walking into late May and early June and into a finals situation with a chance to win. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's tough, especially when he was your the guy you traded several key bench guys in order to get and he's not performing it the way you'd like. Uh, I mean, you know, he's still averaging what uh, 15, five and five. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, probably shooting like 50, 40, 85. I mean, what exactly is it that he's uh, that he's been lacking at? You would say it's, it's it's not the numbers or the production. It just feels like it's not like it's, it's just it like it's when you watch the play, it's something feels still disjointed. Like the chemistry isn't there. Yeah, he's not doing. I mean, he's not. So so he's averaging right now um, fifteen three and six. Oh no, that's the career number. Sorry, he's averaging 15, 4, and 5. Um, 15, yeah. 4.2, 5.1, shooting 48% from the field and 38% from three. Um you know, he's giving you a 1.8 win share. Like that's not you know, not horrible, right? But if this is really the guy mm-hmm. you're gonna lock down and and make that, you know, the 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 guy who helps lead us to a ring, like I, I want to see more. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, and but I don't know how much more he's going to really put up. I mean, I think the most he's ever put up is about twenty-one in a yeah, season. I'm not seeing. I I, I think I see more. I I want to see more. Again, it's it's not a numbers thing. Those numbers aren't in, aren't you know. I I did just knock the numbers a little bit. They're not far off of what he can of what he does. Mm-hmm. It's more just like it, like I said, it's when you watch the when you watch the game, it just doesn't doesn't quite look. Yeah, like we're ready. I mean, we're, you know, we're not in midseason form, and and oh maybe no, I'm I mean it's only like fourteen hoping, games in. Right, know, exactly. Like, maybe I'm hoping for that too early, but it's just like. <laughs> ah, and you guys have only had, and you guys have had a lot of COVID issues, haven't you? And so games are getting canceled. I mean, the NBA as a whole has been getting having COVID issues. So to you know, I, I think you guys are doing just fine for now, but uh, you'll round into form. I feel like the Bucks always do. They they go on a run. Uh, they're a great regular season team. They're you know they're consistently 
just smashing teams for the most part. So I think once once this offense gets going, it's going to be very fun to watch. And uh, I think Drew Holiday is going to be the the straw that stirs the drink. Okay, for... I'm blaming this on you. You just mentioned COVID stuff, and I know there's been issues across the league, but I just saw Shams tweeted that the Bucks Wizards game on Friday has been postponed due to COVID issues. Oh, uh, yeah, the Wizards have have been having terrible issues. Lots of players, and you know, uh, positive and coaches, yeah. and they've I think had five straight games canceled, if I'm not mistaken. So already a shitty season for the Warrior for the uh, Wizards, excuse me, and uh, they just can't even play now <laughs> half the team is uh got a you know runny nose and uh probably some sinus pressure <laughs> yeah, can't, taste or, can't taste or smell it's tough believe me i've been there yeah so here's here's actually a stat that shows you um you know drew was brought in to take pressure off of Giannis and chris right to help help mm. bring that third kind of really round the team and like you know not a big three but like a big three kind of okay. thing. Right? Um, so Giannis currently is averaging eighteen point seven touches a game. Chris is averaging fifteen point seven touches a game, and Drew is is measuring is averaging twelve twelve point four. I think the Buc- I think the Bucks do still have one of the deadliest uh, shooting teams in the league, though. The, everyone on that team can hit a three, and. I think that's that's a scary, and I think Dante Divincenzo is going to be a guy who really steps up for these guys. Dante has been huge. I actually didn't even get to the bench yet, so um, yes. Let's let's stop wasting time with me ragging on, on Drew and his and only his fifteenth game with the team, and jump yes. to the bench because they've been doing doing work. Um, yes, Dante is really actually more of a starter um, mm-hmm. right now with the way we fucked up our cap management this off season and our player management, um, but that's okay because I think a lot of people were hoping. Oh, yeah, still salty. Um, that's okay. I think a lot of a lot of people were kind of expecting or hoping that Dante could evolve into a a, a not a significant contributor, but like a a, a starter, right? Like a good right. a good minutes eater, get up there on the floor. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and he's definitely he's definitely contributing, and he's he's definitely especially defensively he he puts in work regularly. He's one of the mm. like probably the most aggressive defenders we have. Um, he's scrappy. He is very scrappy. Um, and he, so he's been huge. Um, I mean, you know, Brooks been Brooke. There's can't really be many complaints there. Um, but one of the ones that's not getting, or actually it's getting a ton of love in the Milwaukee area, but I don't know how much in, in true NBA circles he's getting is Bobby Portis. He has been playing. Oh my God. He's been playing. Former not, bull great. Former bull great, was, current buck great. Yeah. I mean, he's our he's he's not our six man, man. Um, but he has been playing. He's been on fire, and he comes in in limited minutes, and he makes a significant impact. And it might have been feasting on teams like the Magic, the Pistons, the Cavs, uh, mm-hmm. the Jazz, things like that. But he's <laughs> been really playing over the past few weeks, hot. And it and it's nice to know that, um, you know, especially if if Brooke is the main six man, like. It's nice to know that you have like almost a second six man. Yeah. So I mean, to have that kind of depth on the bench is unbelievable. Yeah, it just and that's what that's what winning teams have is right. That's what that's how you win championships. It's not about exactly. I mean, it is about the three that lead you, but it's about the people that can come in and contribute too. And that's why you know that's why teams like the Lakers last year just were 
unstoppable in the bubble because they just had they mm-hmm. just had guys that come in from anywhere and just can shoot, defend, do everything you need when and give the give those give your impact players the rest they need to go out and close out a game in the fourth quarter and not be begging begging for air. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, Bench has been playing well. Um love to see that. He's competing commit contributing significantly. <laughs> and yeah, I mean minus a little bit of gelling issues, which hopefully that it keeps to improving and deleting a certain late game strategy play from Budenholzer's mind. <laughs> I, I'm pretty content. Um, so bucks and six forever and always. All right. Well, I think it's as good a time as ever to end the show. Oh, sing it. <laughs> on a musical note. Dang. Somebody's, somebody's got to do it. Okay. You know somebody's what? Gotta... You know what? <laughs> All right. But seriously, thanks everybody for listening. I had a lot of fun with this episode. Uh, Can't wait for the Bulls to play the Bucks again. And we'll see who the true uh, winner is. When that game's coming. Yeah. (laughs) It's something to look forward to. Something to look forward to in in these times. Um, But as I said, thanks everybody for listening. We uh, are on every site and app you can imagine for a podcast so you can check us out there uh follow us on instagram and twitter that'll be in the info and yeah i mean as always i i hate the bears <laughs> just had Same to throw here. that in there <laughs> Same here. just had to yeah looks just like we agree on something in. for once yeah finally <laughs> oh god all right Goodbye, everybody. It's working. (laughs) We're converting you. (laughs) All right. All right. Cut the cameras. Cut the mics. Peace.